Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb, and we have a nice little news episode, some positive news this time, Brian. We had a little Wizards of the Coast announcement regarding the future of organized play, and honestly, man, not too bad. Great. I, th- I think it's great. I, I think it delivered exactly where it needed to. I said before this announcement, my expectations were pretty high. A lot of that was I felt they didn't have to do much to really have a home run. Same. They they went beyond my expectations, though, quite frankly. I, th- I think money support looks good. I think logistics of it look good. I think I can mostly, I, I would say almost entirely, understand what's happening without the use of various flowchart aids and secondary resources to understand my path to qualification. So... Just I'm I'm excited. It's just it's a really really good time to be a TCG player, and uh, I, I want to unpack all the specifics here because it just feels like they're getting a lot of stuff right, and I'm happy to see it. With regards to the lack of flowcharts, it is amazing what just going back to basics will do, or uh, ripping off flesh and bloods organized play model will do. I guess. Well, <laughs> hold hold on. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> You know I love flesh and blood, but like they took a lot of their stuff from magic. So it turned out is fair. Totally fair play. Totally fair play. That's the joke. But yeah, man, uh three three pro tours a year, one world championship, which is 128 or so players, give or take. And then you have basically what amounts to like some PPTQs that feed into like pretty hefty regional PTQs that yeah, these, feel these like mini, mini pro tours. Yep. Honestly, dude, this is this is like the system that I proposed uh, when I was working at Wizards in 2013. And think we could have been doing this for nine years already, should we not have taken a detour to the land of esports, where where all good things eventually get derailed. the The best thing is them sunsetting that account. Yeah, that which, that was big. If which, you haven't seen that, the Magic Esports account on Twitter no longer uh, has a different name now. And- play MTG at Play MTG on Twitter. It's funny, and people were, like, making fun of them for it. And it's like, I mean, y'all know that this is a good thing, right, that they did that, but they still just can't resist the opportunity to give them shit for it. Well, look. Which which I get. It's going to take some time, man. I mean, like, Magic did a lot to make themselves the butt of the joke. They did a lot to erode trust over the last few years. And, like, some people are going to want to lean into that. Maybe at times, myself included. I may still take a cheap shot every now and then. At the same time, you have to, if you want, this applies to not only games, but people, businesses, entities. If you want things to grow and improve and get better, you have to give them that opportunity. You have to say, okay, thank you. Thank you for acknowledging this wasn't working. Thank you for shifting back to what worked before. And uh, I, I'm happy to see us all reach this conclusion together. It, it feels really vindicating in a lot of, I mean, do you feel a little vindicated for our past few years of complaining? Because look, I, I'm not stupid. I know that our podcast has had an extremely negative slant over the past year, two years, whatever. I, I, however long it's been where things have been kind of going off Three the rails. Years. Maybe. Sure. uh, Absolutely. And I think about that a lot because I think about serving my audience and making a show that people want to listen to. All these things are very, very important to me. And it made me think like, 
you know, am I this negative person? And I kind of had this realization after I did uh, the Flesh and Blood show a couple of weeks ago. It's like, I'm not a negative person. I'm really no. not. Like, I, I I see the good in a lot of things. I get excited about things very easily. I When things go well, I'm, I'm hyped about it and I'm open about it and I want to share it. But things have been really shitty for three years, like just really horribly shitty. And if I didn't acknowledge that, I would have just been chilling, basically. So I am going to be the loudest supporter of any good system that lets us get back to playing magic the way we love to play it. This is that. This this is just a system that does the things I wanted, and I'm I'm stoked for it. The esports account getting deleted was I think it's just amusing to so many people because they really dug their heels in mm-hmm. and it's a pretty quick turnaround. And I don't know, from, from my perspective, like I, I protested worlds whenever the hell that was 2018, 10,000 years ago. Yeah. A decade ago, at least. And disagreed with a lot of the ways that organized play was being handled. And then the monkey's paw curled. Right. And then they're just like, fine, we'll just blow it all up. And I'm just like, no, not like this, right? And then we got the MPL. And I was like, okay, this is also not how we should be doing stuff. And a lot of people who are in the MPL agreed with me. And I was the only person who left because everyone else presumably wanted to cash their paychecks, which I get. And then that system is just completely blown up within two years. And like the, the world's protests, it really seemed like it, it brought awareness to it and made people care a little bit more, but ultimately didn't accomplish a whole lot. And I think that with arena, they were probably going to try and move in that direction anyway. It's not like anyone's really swayed by my words or actions, uh, at least around that time, you know? Yeah. And then kind of the same thing with the MPL too, where it was like, okay, I actually did kind of get the result I wanted, right? It was like, you know, blow it up, get back to basics, try and fix some of the problems that the old system had, even if the old system was still pretty good, at least compared to the MPL and everything. And that happened faster than I expected. And maybe that was a result of COVID or them not actually being a top five esport and realizing it or whatever, who knows, but In this instance, I am happy, but I also do not feel really a sense of vindication for like, you know, my words or actions caused this. And I think that a lot of the stuff that we complain about or raised awareness about on the podcast were were definitely issues. And I hope that a lot of those things become non-issues moving forward. And there is some time until some of this stuff starts getting rolled out. And I'm sure that you know, we didn't get the fine print for like every single event or whatever. And I hope that there's some room for them to be malleable and mm-hmm. uh, actually deal with any sort of like complaints or concerns that come up. That's my hope because this, the system that they laid out looks pretty good to me, even though I don't know what the hell like a rolling point thing is. Yeah. The rolling point system is probably the most confusing part. I dug into it a little bit. I think I get it. And, and I think it's very good actually, but I agree. It's, it's- like the, it's just weird because it's kind of like hard to track. Yep. Right. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, maybe it's one of those things that could be dealt with with really good tooling. You know, you have this Wizards Companion app now. If you're just tracking like rolling point total in the app, that alleviates all of this. So it, it's a question of putting up the right support for these policies 
and and also at the same time, not only bolstering ones that need bolstering, but getting away from the ones that don't work and being flexible about it. And the whole vibe of this announcement is just like flexibility. It doesn't go as far as like outright apology. I want to ask you about that. What is your stance on like the corporate apology? Would you have liked to see some kind of contrition here for just being like, we messed up these last few years. Uh, you weren't crazy for yelling at us all this time. We need to do better. And here's our first steps to doing so because none of that is really present. And I kind of waffle back and forth on whether that's actually useful or not, because ultimately your job when you're presenting this new system is to talk about the future, to present your new system and dwelling in the past. It doesn't actually serve anyone. It's like when I, I'm doing commentary at an event or even on this podcast and I, I mess something up, right? I stumble over my words or I say something that isn't quite what I meant to say. I'm usually not going to go back and correct it. Like you just let it fly. It goes away and you move on to the next thing. Yeah. What do you think in Magic's case would you have liked to see from them? Given that one of the major complaints against Wizards has been the lack of transparency, it would have been nice to see something here and kind of figure out where their head is at. But we are also recording this after the article went up, but before good the live point. stream. Very good point. And it's possible that some of that stuff gets addressed. And that's mostly all I care about because while I think that some sort of apology or admission of fault or whatever would have been nice, I know realistically that I think we we probably would have given them shit for it. So yeah. they're, they're kind of, they're in a bad spot, right? Like damn if you do, damn if you don't. At this point, it's weird because they're they're kind of free rolling. I, I think a lot of people were not expecting much and they could have really rolled out like a bare bone system. And I think people would have been happy for it. They might not have been like super stoked. And I think that this gives people a lot of reasons to be stoked, especially since there's like way more money involved than I thought would be. But yeah, I, I think that they did have an opportunity to actually try to kind of like rebuild some of that lost trust and be like, okay, like let's, let's try and start over. You know, we realized that things kind of got out of control or whatever. We would like to be upfront and actually communicate about what's going on. We've realized that that is just like net positive for both you and us, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that is taken as a sign of good faith. Maybe it's not. I'm, I'm leaning towards like, maybe it's not. So they're just like, whatever, we're just going to roll out the system, let it speak for itself. And I, I think that that's fine. Now, I, I assume at this point, most of the people we're speaking to have probably like looked over this stuff. I do think, though, it benefits us in case someone, you know, gets the bulk of their magic news from us to sort of break down the setup for this. Or, or uh, you see the cliff notes be. on Twitter and like you want to get the actual D tier or something. Yeah. So so who's going to handle that? Me or you? Who do you think is better suited to you, present? OK, you. if you I had if, a feeling like, that was the answer, I. I'm dude, I've been up for quick maths, dude, maybe like 26 hours. Okay. That's a good number of hours. So most of your takeaways are just fueled strictly by Red Bull at this point. I'm I'm currently drinking a Mountain Dew Spark. I'm trying to Oh, good choice. I'm I am actually trying to sleep at some point. So I'm trying to like, you know, not just jam Red Bulls. And Yeah, the last Red Bull I had was probably like six hours ago or something, too. I also have a water bottle. So Okay, so you're on the downswing from Red Bull. That's that's good to hear. That means that it is my job to present this to you. And, and thankfully, Magic has produced this handy pyramid, which keeps things pretty simple and uh, I think 
it gives you most of the information you need, which is what you need from your organized play system. You need to be able to look at it at a glance, understand how this Ryan, all works. Right. So. The, the one thing I want to most incorporate into our game, like our content creation game, is just infographics. Is a pyramid? Oh, okay. I, I thought it was going to well, be pyramid shape. I mean, it could be a pyramid. I don't know. Pyramids have kind of like steered me wrong in a lot of different ways. They're Wait, like, what, what is your anti-pyramid stance? No, That's so, weird. So there are pyramid schemes. Those are bad, right? Yeah. There's okay. the food pyramid. That was bullshit. That was bad, yeah. Okay. There's the bad guy from Gravity Falls, Bill, who's a pyramid and not very good. Okay, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I did win a pro tour with Amonkhet, and they had some pyramids, so that's okay. Okay, that's not bad. Uh, but yeah. yeah, basically, man, you you do your thing. I'm super tired. I read this stuff. Uh, I there's no way in hell I retained it though. Okay, you so. you take a nap. I'm gonna run through this pretty briefly. Four tiers is how they have their pyramid set up. At the bottom tier, regional championship qualifiers. These are essentially Store play run by WPN stores. So those are stores that Wizards has a good relationship with. Hopefully there'll be some kind of, you know, I don't know if bookkeeping is the right word. Some some kind of check to make sure these stores are well set up to run tournaments worth traveling for. If you go hey, back to the PTQ days. Can I jump was, in? Please do. Yep. Uh, apparently it is one per WPN store per season or two for a WPN premium store. Okay. So okay. I, I believe that is the thing that measures like how well they are set up to actually handle these things. Yep, that makes sense. And uh, that's good to know because I, uh, when it comes to these type of things, I tend to lean very hard towards stores I know and trust because the experience at a bad store with like one bathroom or a bathroom outside can just be an absolute nightmare. So I, I put my trust in the stores that I know can put together a good event. There are several in my area. So those will be the ones running the regional championship qualifiers. After that, we head to the regional championships. And all of this, and this is where we'll first kind of see their influence on uh, the pyramid, is run by DreamHack. And that includes them somehow managing the lower regional championship qualifiers. Now, obviously, they're not like running them directly, but I do think you have to like register with DreamHack and they keep track of everything. So uh, this is a new org for Magic. And I guess this is like a fine step. Let's, let's first break down what the regional championships are. Like you said, sort of mini pro tours. And I'm going to see if I can find uh, this, this document here. Like I said, they did a good job of laying this out, but there are some, there's multiple websites. DreamHack has their own website where they break things down. And I'm just pulling up the 30K payouts. for first. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. And slots go down to, I believe, top 48 or something. For, for, for now. For the first season. Yep. And then it's what, top 32? Correct. Correct. So they're, they're looking to seed the Pro Tours right now is the term they keep using, which makes sense when you hear about how qualification works with the Pro Tours, because maybe the most critical part of all this is that we get to chain this stuff. It, like there is there is a way to play multiple Pro Tours. But the regional championship, at least now, $130,000 total payout, $30,000 to first. So you're talking prizes very close to the old pro tour that are going to be uh, regionally located. Now those change across regions. That's for the U S I should point out. That's the one run by DreamHack, So that could be different. Yep. This is a big thing because not only that makes sense. sense. Yeah. And it's important too, because in some regions there are multiple 
like regional regional breakdowns. So for instance, the US is one region, Canada is one region. Somewhere I I thought like specific areas had multiple regions. Maybe it was China that just has like a load of regions. And part of that is like the geographical size and serving the player base uh, as best suited. And obviously in that scenario, you're not giving 32 invites to your regional championship winners. They're going to be smaller than that and they're going to get award fewer invites. Right. Which is, which is cool. I, I think like you should have a, a system that's flexible for certain parts of the world. Hopefully what this does is just make access to these opportunities better for these regions. That's, that's the main goal I hope they have here. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know the specifics of them, so I can't comment as to whether they're actually achieving that. Yeah, I can't speak to the specific needs of each region. Right. right. There are there are some that I understand a little bit better than others, but given that there is a different breakdown per region, that makes me hope that they have done their due diligence and done their homework. And yeah, I, it's I just can't tell you because there there are links to these organizers. Like I, I'm at the the Chinese site right now. Surprise, it's in Chinese, and right. I I can't tell you exactly what's going on. Yeah, so that gives me hope. If there are issues, please, folks, speak up. I know that the, you know, the the majority of our listenership is from the U.S., of course, but like I know that we have listeners all over the world, and like if, if this is a thing that like does not fit your area, like we we definitely want to hear from you. Yeah. So so this is where this is where DreamHack, as I was saying, gets really involved. They're going to be putting on these tournaments alongside their DreamHack events, which I, I think is really cool for Magic. It's going to be and you've been to DreamHacks before. Am I correct in saying that? Yep. And and so why don't I let you talk for a bit about your experience at DreamHack? Tell people what goes on there, what it's like and how you see Magic fitting into all of this. Because I've never uh, been. DreamHack is cool as hell. And obviously that requires you to have some sort of interest in things outside of magic. Right. But like while I was there, so I went, I went to play in a Shadowverse tournament and it was local to where, uh, one of our mutual friends lives. Shout out to KYT. Right. And so I got to stay with him and everything. So it seemed like good thing to like go visit, try once, whatever. And while I was there, I like ran into uh, someone who was like a professional street fighter player and we got to talking and it, it is cool that we don't normally like cross esports or whatever and get to interact with those folks. And it's cool because we, we actually just had a ton in common as far as like our lifestyle and like yep. how we approach the game and all, all sorts of stuff like that, where it was like, you know, magic to Street Fighter seems like it should be at least like a decent amount different, right? But it's like there's there's so much overlap that it was just like we we had a blast just like hanging out for the time that we had, you know? And I I'm not well versed in a lot of that stuff, but it was like, you know, watching around walking around, watching people play like Rocket League or watching the Street Fighter stuff or like some other FGC stuff, you know? It, it was just like very, very cool if you are remotely interested in that stuff. And then, I mean, the the inside of the place is normally, I don't know, kind of like EDME, I guess. It's just like kind of dark, but there are like neon lights because all the different stages are set up. Like if you saw the the magic booth at PAX when they did the Invitational, like maybe you saw it on coverage or whatever. It's just, you know, set up like that, right? And all the stuff is like very cool, very eye-catching. And you will almost certainly like get your money's worth for a ticket, which is cool. However, 
this is where I become a little bit disparaging. Okay. You're allowed. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of space carved out for the magic folks. And to my knowledge, there's also going to be like two 10Ks run alongside of these things. And like maybe the cost of like the ticket to get in or something, I don't know, is enough of a deterrent where they don't think that they're going to get many people. But it's like, I I expect that if these events have no cap, that they are going to be very popular, right? And it kind of looks like they're just undershooting it a little bit. Okay. Are you basing that mostly on their old setup? I mean, obviously taking on this thing means they're going to have to change the way they do dream hacks. This is a, a big undertaking and they have success with big undertakings. I, I have to assume they're going to carefully think about potential player bases and you know, they've, well, they've seen the big magic fest. Like it, it shouldn't come out of left field. I mean, they've, they've seen them, but it's like, you know, who is they, are they the same people okay. who are running the thing? Are they the same people who are like designing the floor layout and everything? Like, there, there is a map somewhere where it's like the space, like you can see how big the magic space is. And is oh, like, that, for this upcoming set of DreamHack events, you're saying? I believe so. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And also, like, maybe, maybe they know or they think they know, but like they haven't really run like a Grand Prix before, like that, right. that scale of an event. And they've they've done some arena tournaments or whatever, but like those those have been small ball, you know? So it would not surprise me if if they do undershoot it. If if I'm wrong, I will be super happy. I'll be stoked and, you know, faith restored in DreamHack or whatever. But yeah, yeah, let's also talk about the fact that they can correct, right? Like all of this should take some degree of correction. Yeah, maybe the adjusting. first one's bad and then right. they figure it out. Right. That's that seems completely possible. You know, it, it's funny at the, the moment that the esports account gets deleted by Magic, DreamHack becomes, I mean, sort of the primary tournament organizer at this point. Like they're kind of leapfrogging Star City Games Channel Fireball by taking this on. And oh, yeah. I think, oh, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting development. You know, I certainly have. I have some aversion to esports as it relates or has related to Magic the Gathering, but I, I love esports. I, I watch FGC events. I have been a huge League of Legends fan throughout various points in my life. So, so this stuff speaks to me. It is in my wheelhouse entirely, and I am excited to see what they can do. And my hope is that they come away with something that feels a little bit more modern. Because magic sort of feels like, I mean, even through the esports era, yeah, I mean, it, it feels a little outdated. Even when you move the client to to an online client, it's it still felt like it was kind of not quite in the future. Yep. And I want to see what DreamHack can do to sort of make it feel a little shinier, a little bit more modern, and maybe make it more appealing to people who aren't old and crotchety like us. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's the other thing too, is like, well, now you're, you know, you see kind of like the cross-pollination at Magic Fest or Command Fest or whatever, where it's like, well, maybe you played in the Grand Prix, but now your friend's playing Commander and you'll go sit over there and like borrow their Commander deck. Well, like what's going to happen when someone who was a lapsed Magic player was doing like League of Legends land with their friends and they wander over and they're just like, yeah, I'll join a draft or whatever. Dude, and I, and I will tell you, I've, I've been, I, I don't know that I'm supposed to reveal this. I've been hanging out in another Discord lately. 
every now and then. How dare you? I know. I know. And I'm not even supposed to be talking. This Discord is not supposed to exist. I'm not even supposed to be talking about it. But it's got a lot of people from various esports places. What? You're just like hanging out with cool kids and not telling me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hate to break it. Do they know who I am? Like, are, are any of them tangentially related to magic or anything? Okay, so so let me give some background on this Discord. It, it's ostensibly a flesh and blood Discord. We go there to talk about flesh and blood. Okay. But it involves a lot of people from uh, various esports communities. And, okay. you know, Dude, be you it. Dude, know, you know I like networking, even if I never use it. Gerald, it is it is not my Discord. I was invited there. If it was my Discord, you would be the first member. I would I would sign you up. You would be on board. I'll start pulling some strings. I'll see if I can get you in the Discord. You're gonna have to play. Everyone there plays Flesh and Blood, though. That's the one thing holding you back. So if you're ready for your lessons, do anything. Oh, you do. You do in this case. Dude, is Dave Root in there? He'll get me in. I'm not telling you. I'm not supposed to answer He's questions about the Discord. There. It doesn't. It doesn't even really exist. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, bunch of people from various esports scenes: Overwatch, League of Legends, basically every esport you could think of. Folks who work on the commentary side, folks who participate as players in these things, they all love TCGs. Be it Magic, be it Flesh and Blood, be it old TCGs like Star Wars and Star Trek and Legend of the Five Rings. There is a deep, deep seated connection between the TCG world and the esports world that's kind of bubbled under the surface. And we saw some of it, like Day Nine becoming a prominent part uh, of the arena scene, you know, certainly reflects that. But it goes so much deeper than this. And having magic in the space with all these things it's going to be a really big deal because there is overlap in these communities. I'm promising you. And you're going to see things like where there's these 10 K events, you're going to find stars of these other worlds coming over for magic events. And it's going to be a really cool experience. One of the coolest things from DreamHack was that they had one of the Hearthstone tournaments happening also, which meant that John Westberg orange was there. So I got to see him for like the first time in forever too. loves magic. Yeah, I mean, it has guested on this podcast, right? So that was awesome. I will say I've met one person in the Overwatch esports scene. It didn't go great. Okay. Um, That might have been because I gave him shit. It might have been on me. It might have been on me. This is interesting. We're going to have to get this story offline, I guess. Uh, I can tell here if you want it. I don't know. Uh, It's it's your call. It's up to you. I'm I'm sleepy, man. You get get tired Jerry stories. Uh... I was at a gaming bar in LA area and they were, they, I don't know, were like playing the Overwatch League thing on the TVs, right? Mm -hmm. I don't even know how I ended up in a circle with this dude or whatever, but he was just like talking up how he's like a coach or some shit for Dallas Fuel. And he's just, you know, basically acting like how you'd expect an esports person to act where they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm such a big deal. <laughs> and okay. It, so it's like, I go outside to smoke and I look him up on Twitter and he's, you know, got like 10,000 followers or whatever. So then I come back in and I'm just like, this, this is going to be like the sore spot for him. Right. And started talking like a little bit of shit. And he was like, Oh yeah. You know, like our, our team's going to win or whatever. And I was like, well, your team's bad. And when they lose, I will tweet at you and make fun of you. And you will know it's me because I'll be the person with way more followers than you. <laughs> All right. Listen. And then I walked away. Listen, I love you. You know, I love you. 
That person did not come off like the asshole in this story. <laughs> there were two oh, people I, involved. I ended I ended the story as the supreme asshole, for okay. sure. Okay. You're saying that this person, though, first yeah. brought the assholeness to the conversation I, and I don't, you amplified it. I don't open with that, you know? Okay. And that's not even th- a thing I care about. Like, I expect anyone who's remotely involved in esports to have, like, you know, 4x the amount of people I have or whatever, right? Sure. They're just like bigger scenes, but I was like, this guy, this guy's like being a douche and only has like 10K. Like, well, I don't, I don't understand. So I had, to, I wanted to put him in his place, you know? This was a good story. And, I'm, then, I'm and then his team lost. And then his team lost. Did you tweet at him? I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't. I'm pretty sure I forgot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you should tweet at him now. I think now's the moment to finally cash in on well, that. Well, yeah, now he's probably got like, you know, half a million followers or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Look. Esports is like anything else. There's bad people. There's good people. Uh, so, I I mostly meet good people. That's what it comes down to. So I ha- I had a good time with Street Fighter, dude. Mm-hmm. You know that was yep. just all all positive, all all good vibes, all great everything. It was nice. You know, there's there's going to be some good and some bad. Right. Same as any scene. But I, I'm excited to see the overlap uh, between these these two worlds and how how much you'll see that it's it's already there. It's just lurking behind the scenes for sure. Uh, but anyway, we're going to play these regional championships. They're going to be at DreamHack events. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a good time. But here is here's the slam dunk, Gerald. And, you know, every now and then you're you're old and you're stubborn and you refuse to change and you just get paid for it. As, Back in my day, they were called Pro Tours. Uh, and they're called Pro Tours again, baby. And look, this is the easiest decision in all of these decisions to make. The branding, all these new brandings never worked. They never stuck. Pro Tour is what these events were meant to be called. I hope They're Flesh and Blood sues Pro them. Tours. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> uh, but that would be that would be funny. It would be um, funny. Yeah, so we're back to Pro Tours. And the specifics around these, mostly non-existent at this point, are going to be at locations decided by Wizards where all of these regional champions are going to get together, play for some pretty big stakes, hopefully at some meaningful venues. I mean, like, you know, Pro Tour Richmond and Pro Tour Albuquerque didn't have the same home runs as hey. Pro Tour Paris, hey. Pro Tour Prague. You know, um, I have Tour, I have a spare Tokyo. bedroom and a big couch in Richmond. All right, I know you do, and they have a beautiful convention center that I may have been to more than any convention center in America. But uh, I would like to go other places, and I hope we see that with lot, the Pro Tour. A lot of good food here, Brian. A lot of good vegetarian spots. I know. I, look, I don't, I don't hate Richmond. There's nothing wrong with it. I've been to it 40 times and I want to go to some other places. You have to remember, my whole involvement with the Pro Tour was designed as a means to travel. I didn't really care that much about like making a Pro Tour career and I didn't yeah. have any you know, illusions that I was among the very best players in the world. I just like wanted to be on a Pro Tour every now and then and get to cold cool places and have cool experiences. That's what drew me into the competitive magic scene. So pro tours being in unique spots and spots that I otherwise would never get to go to. And then I show up there and, you know, half my friends in the world are also present. You you can't replace that. And no, it's I, too good. yeah, I think back to my experiences, you know, in various places and I, I still think about them to this day. They're, they're decades old at this point, but they are very important parts of my life. And I hope the Pro Tour very much gets back to that. But yeah, I mean, any other takeaways for this step on the pyramid? It's just like, it's basically exactly what I wanted. It's it's everyone, uh, you know, working through various qualifiers to get there and then playing a high stakes tournament for everyone in the world. 
The best part was even before the pro tour where you get on your connecting flight. Yep. In and like, you see everyone on the flight. Yeah. It's some Metro hub, you know, you connect in DC or, or, uh, uh, JFK or something. Right. And it's like, I wonder who's going to be on this flight. And it's just like, yeah, 10, 10 homies. Cool. Yep. Yeah. And then you're, or you're like wandering in the airport in a foreign country where you don't really understand anything and you just see a person you're like, that's a magic player. I'm yes. with them. Yeah. And you form up your crew and it's, it's weird. Like, you know, my wife and I like like traveling in general. It's something that is important to us, something that we've missed a lot during the pandemic. But so much of our travel has been rooted in magic. And she obviously has virtually no association with magic beyond knowing the very basics of how to play, but no interest in competing, no interest in the scene. But even her, she appreciates the opportunities we have to travel for magic because she sees what it does. It gets you local people who are willing to tell you things and it gets you a, it's kind of like a support network for, Oh, do this thing. Don't do this thing. We went to, to GP Costa Rica together and immediately upon making the decision to go to Costa Rica, I had an army full of people I could reach out to being like, what do we do? Where do we stay? And we had an amazing trip and none of that would have been possible without magic. So I'm, I'm so thrilled to see this aspect come back. I hope they choose their locations very well. But from an organized play standpoint, it's they did it. This, this is what I wanted out of the step on the pyramid. Yeah, the, these three steps are great. The fourth step is also great, but yeah. we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. At first, it was like, oh, there's only three pro tours. That's like kind of weird. And then you see the money involved. There's 500K for every PT. Yep, but then nice you money. See, then you see the money for the regionals and you're like, right. oh, you also get to play three regionals per per year. Yeah. And I think this is a lot closer to a seven pro tour system than yeah. a four pro tour system. Yeah. Like it's it's top heavy, right? But sure. I also I also love the fact that it is it's kind of like PPTQ level, but it qualifies you for a thing that matters yep. versus like an RPTQ where it it like kind of matters, but it doesn't really feel like it, you know? That is such a good point, Jerry. And I, I didn't even like internalize that till right now because uh, I hated the RPTQ system. It did like, nothing for me. It, if if things improve and I'm willing to go to stores to play, I will want to qualify for every regional. Yep. Just, just straight up because that like they're lucrative. They give you a bunch of slots. So it's not super feel bad when you like lose in top eight and like barely miss your slot. You know, it's like you have you can go deep in the tournament and still do well, especially in the first year when it's going down to like 48 or whatever. Yep. This also does a great job of serving the LGSs, which have been through so much. So many of them didn't make it through all this. This, this puts players back in their stores. I mean, there's so much to gush over when it comes to this announcement, but it it really does seem like it's bringing all the pieces back together. And that's, that's, that's the thing that blows your mind is that they sort of had all the pieces together and then they were like, smashed them off the table like an angry toddler and came back with new pieces, but at least they picked them back up and rebuilt their pyramid. That's, that's the thing I keep coming back to. Yeah. Actually, now that I I'm thinking about this more, I think it was Eric Lauer who came up with like the middle step. The regional championship step. Yeah. Like back when I was working there where he was like, we all agreed that the 300 to 600 player PTQs were not sustainable, you know? Right. So it was like, Oh, you need to add a step or whatever. And he was the one that was like, oh, you just have like mini pro tours. I'm pretty sure. I, I remember definitely being on board with it and maybe having like kind of a similar idea. Maybe it was like just more PTQs that feed into like an SCG invitational feeling kind mm-hmm. of event or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I remember just being super happy with this idea. And then it was like, 
no, they don't, they don't need to be that big. So let's just make them, you know, the RPTQs like they were. And it was like, eh, this is not as exciting, you know, but like, this, no, definitely this not. is the, the regionals are actually things that people are going to want to qualify, which yeah, they're, they're going to want to go to local stores and it, I'm, I'm concerned that the stores might not have, you know, capacity or whatever, or people Maybe. are going to get turned away, but like, that's a good problem to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the pro tours themselves, it's like you do the same thing that you were doing before. And like, how bad can it be? It, it can't be bad. It's great. It was a great system. It, it shaped, it was formative in my life. Uh, and their, their best competitors saw that and used the same system because it was that good. So it, I, I'm just so over the moon about getting back to this. The last step on our pyramid world championship, that's not going to matter to many of us, but it's a bigger field than it used to be. It's 128 players now. Uh, you can also direct qualify seemingly through Arena, seemingly through Magic Online, which are also going to have inserts to all of these systems. It remains to be seen if they're going to insert direct to the Pro Tour, direct to regional championships. I'm kind of okay with whatever they do, honestly. It, 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 the important thing is that this feels like the core pyramid. And then if you want to have one Magic Arena championship on top of it, that's just like a standalone event every year for people, I think that would be great as well. But Ultimately, you want to feed everything into this pyramid, and it feels like they see things the same way. It's kind of wild to me that the regionals also awards invites to Worlds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so first or second place at the regional championships also gets your invite, right? At least, at least in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the size of the region. I think that's important. So we'll have to see exactly how those met out. But it, it sounds great. It sounds great. It all sounds great. Yeah, so I mean, that's another thing where it's like, wow, this this tournament matters like way more than has any right to, but it's, it's awesome that it does. Some small notes. This comes mostly from the frequently asked questions stuff that fills out all of this. They confirmed coverage for the pro tours. I think that was a no brainer. I don't think anyone thought coverage for the pro tours is going away. What's interesting to see is what happens at the regional championship level, because there's nothing specifically stated about that. So I assume that would be on DreamHack or whoever the regional organizer is. Yeah, that's interesting. If they're going to cover that. So I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. I, I hope those events are big enough to be covered by, by, I mean, they're bigger than GPs ever were, right? And we used to send camera crews around to GPs. They're going to be bigger, more prestigious than Star City Games opens. So we did coverage there. I, I am hopeful that also these regional championships get covered, not only because I really want to fucking do magic coverage again, but I, I think it's good for the game. I think it's it's really good that these things are made to feel important. Did you email DreamHack yet? I have not emailed DreamHack. Can I just can I just use this and as my audition tape instead? I, I hate sending out those emails. They feel so like awkward. Yeah, because I, I mean, especially if, if they don't know who you are, then it's just like Right. The email is not going to like introduce myself sufficiently, right? Either they are aware of what I've done before or they have already decided that they have no interest in me. I I think. Uh, Um, Let me, let me check on the old Twitter. See who I know from DreamHack. There you go. I'll just have you do it for me. That's, that's way easier. And don't read any of this as a lack of interest. I am extremely interested. I'm also just insane and incapable of handling my business like an adult. So I have to go about these things. But once you get me on site telling you DreamHack, I'm going to knock it out of the park for you. I'm just saying the, uh, the DreamHack magic account. Yeah. At least as of today had like 
24 followers or they were following 25 people and I was one of them. So. Oh, there you go. So yeah, you reach out for me, get this, get this set up. Uh, Pet- um, Petter Sten, I think might be the person that you want to reach out to, or maybe just like message that page directly. I don't know. Interesting. I'm probably not going to do that, but I appreciate you uh, figuring dude. that all out for me. Dude. I like to let the public speak, Gerald. If people want me to do coverage for their events, then it'll just bubble to the surface naturally. I mean, granted, I had to like sort of passive aggressively tweet to to get a flesh and blood coverage gig. And I probably also can trace my first Star City coverage stuff to passive aggressive tweeting. Maybe that's the key. Maybe I just need to get <laughs> on, okay, on can, the Twitter page. Can you at least follow Petter on sure, just at, sure. at Petter Sten? Sure. I, I will do that for you. Phonetically. It's pretty easy. Uh, I will look for Petter and we will hopefully have a, a fruitful conversation because uh, these events are going to be dope. I want to be a part of it. And, you know, that stems to a question that we've been repeatedly asked and you already answered it. Are you going to play these events? You said basically as long as things are sustainable and safe, you would like to. I feel the same way. I, I want to play these events. I want to be part of it. It is the system I fell in love with. Why wouldn't I want to? I, I love magic. There's no part of me that wants to have to distance myself from magic. It just sucked and it doesn't suck anymore. So yeah, of course I'm going to play these events. Or hide in the back room doing coverage. Either one. Either one works for me. I, I honestly see the experience as the same. Like it's it's about being part of it for me. It's not about like proving myself or taking down the trophy. I just like legitimately love the events. So either as a participant or someone covering it, it's exactly the same to me. Yeah. So stuff from the FAQ, the first events, Pioneer, Pioneer Unlimited seem to be on the agenda. And uh, what a redemption arc for Pioneer from just like this thing that people were really into out the gate. Very exciting to absolutely meaningless falls off the face of the earth to slowly generating steam again and actually ending up kind of a great format and now going to be the focus of this return to form for the Pro Tour. Uh, I know people are really excited about that. I'm really excited about that. How do you feel about Pioneer Limited sort of getting headlines for the first go around? No, it's all good. I think that if there is potential for there to be mistakes in standard, like they're taking a lot of shots and maybe some things could be over, over, overshot, overshoot. I don't know, whatever. I'm tired. Then it it benefits everyone to just like have more formats be be part of the pool rather than just do like standard three times a year or something. Right. Yep. And I think that there is like a very, very dedicated, like ravenous limited crew who would just absolutely love to play in some high level limited tournaments. So there's there's that aspect too. And pioneer is not bad and they have managed the ban list pretty well. And cards that have come out recently have impacted the format in positive ways and actually shifted it and, made it kind of like feel new without them having to ban stuff. So all of this seems great to me. Agreed. I will say that I talked a lot in the old days about limited probably shouldn't be part of pro tour coverage. I I'm still not sure it should be part of every pro tour. I do think it should be part of this pro tour. I think it's absolutely the right call because it is the element of the game that has been completely underserved over the last, however many years. So I am excited to see it here in the future, am I always going to be as supportive as limit of limited being part of these programs? I'm not sure. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but I, I am stoked to see it here for sure. 
let's see other takeaways from this FAQ. I mean, that that's the big one. I guess I'll mention again, we sort of glossed over the adjusted match points thing. Yeah. We have to talk about that. Yeah. So let me give the roughest approximation of this. I possibly can. If, if you do well out of two of your last three pro tours, you're probably going to get invited to the next one. It's looking for a total of 39 adjusted match points. Now that also that the adjusted match points, as far as I can tell, cuts off your first three wins. Correct. Why is that? Am I just stupid that I can't understand why that's critical for this system? There might be a math reason for that. I know that they use something similar for calculating pro points given away at Worlds at least one of the years. Okay. Like, I, my my quick guess is that if you do not cut off those three, then the combination of like a three and X finish plus right. a yeah. 11 and X finish gets – or a 10 and X finish gets you on too easily. Yeah. And that's it, the main goal. It, it basically makes it so that like the finishes that you're just kind of like limping along – are not as big of a deal, right? Right, right. So I think I like that because then they are more so rewarding consistent like top finishes. Sure. More so than just like, oh, you actually just like qualified for all three and did pretty well in one of them or whatever. Yeah. So other things I kind of want to sort out. I'm doing this live. I'm trying to understand this. AMPs count the previous three pro tours held, not the previous three a player attended. So you could look back over the last three uh, pro tours. That That's important for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, it also, however, goes across seasons. So if the season right. changes, but you play two pro tours in the last season, yeah, it no, still carries over. That is that is tremendous, honestly. No more I'd the BS at, having to play the first PT of the season to have a shot yeah. to do anything. I look at how this policy would have affected my pro tour career. I would have played multiple more pro tours very easily just off of this adjusted match point training. Uh, and it, it would have been really good for me. Josh and, Show also. Yep, Josh Show's another one. All these things are net positive changes. I... Like I said, I don't really get the mathematical details of adjusted match points. I am confident it's there for a reason. Your point of it being difficult to track, fair, but answerable, I believe. Very yeah, answerable. It's just like, I, I feel like there are going to be points where I'm like, did I have did I have like 18 or 15 or whatever, you know, have to do like some math. And then uh, especially once you get like really into the weeds of it where you're like five pro tours in and you have to like subtract the last one. And, you know, it's just kind of weird. Uh, the thing I don't really like about it is like, I guess it makes it so everyone's match mostly matters, but you are definitely going to get. Wait, why don't, why don't you like that? So I like that aspect of it, but you're going to get into situations where oh, I see where you're going. Go yeah. Ahead. Someone is very clearly like, well, if I win this match, I get queued for the next one. So like, please, you know? Yep. And I, I would really like to just see them do away with, any sort of concessions at all, if possible. Yeah. But what, what are you going to do? Like, I, I get that it is very, very difficult to enforce. And I used to think like, I, I do think that the judges are good, but I used to think that like this thing would be super easy. And then there, there have just been some things that like I ran into where I was like, well, this seems like it should be easy. And it just like, wasn't. So maybe it is just better to like, kind of take it out of their hands and just be like, well, if it happens, it happens. I my policy would be you can't concede. And I understand that's unenforceable. Like I I get that, but like you're at least changing the conversation around concession 
to make it even harder, like give people more hoops to jump through because they're jumping through the hoops anyway. Yeah. And I, I just wrote a lot about this. I'm kind of like burnt out on the topic. I've said a lot of words on it over the past week as it relates to flesh and blood. It's not a solvable problem via policy, but I do think you can be smart about the policy. And I hadn't thought of your point yet, Gerald. It's it's really good. There's going to be scenarios where people are playing for absolutely nothing at, you know, five and seven and the match means everything to the per- other person it, who's at five and seven. It's, it's not technically nothing because. Because they can use their next three pro tour invites. Right. I mean, it, it could look bleak. Like you said, yeah. five and seven, their first pro tour, not qualified for the next one. Maybe they even have like a vacation coming up or works about to get more stressful. Yeah, it's very unlikely that they're going to queue, but like it, it's still really hard to pull the trigger in that situation. Yeah. So so every win at a pro tour could potentially have value down the line. You never know. Yeah, which is, which is net good, I think. Yeah. And and will deter a lot of these situations. But okay. when you're in those situations where it's very clear cut, it's not like, oh, concede to me and then if I win out, something will happen, you know. At that point you're just like, no, nah, it's not worth it. But if it's like concede and I make worlds or whatever, it's like, right. well, yeah, okay. Yeah, I want to see this policy play out. My instinct is that it'll be very good and and probably less abusable than the current setup. But if not, let's just hope they adjust and and you know figure out ways to deal with it because you don't. They made us a nice pyramid. I hope that they can make us a thing that tracks this. I don't I don't see why not. I think it should be easy enough to keep this going. And I I also don't actually think like the more I think about this. I don't think it's that hard to track. Like you should be able to look back at your last three pro tours and know how many matches you won and you just cut three off and there you go. Those are your, your points you're putting together. Yeah. Like like I said, it's just weird when you're, you know, playing in your fifth pro tour and you know, you just have to do a lot of bookkeeping, which no, you just look back at the last two. That's all you only ever care about the last two. Right. Well, I think at some point you get trained to like care about your point total, right. Rather than like starting from zero and doing the math on all three. But like you, you can also look back at the last two and be like, wait, was that two PTs ago or three PTs ago? Well, but what what do you have to worry about your point total for in the system? Because it's total to get to the next one. It's gotcha. thirty nine. It's thirty nine total, right? So it kind of like behooves you to count the, the the first two together and go from there. But whatever. Like obviously, magic people are smart. They're going to figure it out. But like it's it is bookkeeping. It's stairs. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, less stairs are always good for it, sure. Yeah, it's not it's not a big deal. Don't you know, like we're spending a lot of time on this, but don't make it seem like this, well, no, this I, is a deal breaker or whatever. It's I think it's the most confusing part of all this. So that, I think that's why we're spending time on it. And that that's really high praise, by the way. If this is as confusing as it gets compared to our other systems, we've, that's fucking fantastic. We've never had a system that made as much sense as this. But I guess part of that too is like, we kind of grew up in a very similar system, right? So not, not a whole lot has changed. Right. Uh, yeah, that's fair. But, but it is, it is, it is back to basics and for a reason. And also I think the thing that we were expecting was just like no version of this. Right. Because that's, that's kind of what they alluded to where it was like, Oh, we don't really want like a, a gravy train platinum pro kind of life. Right. right. And now we actually have something and it's, it's cool that you have a reason to track it, I suppose, because it's just net positive for all the players. Yeah, I mean, to to me, with my experience with Magic, which is very different than, from the typical experience, very difficult from your experience, very different from the average player experience. This is like the dream system, actually. This is exactly how I want training to work for my scenario. Is, is that going to follow through for 
everyone who plays Magic? Probably not. I think like the ones who did lose the most were, well, the people who were in the first MPL who have been qualified for everything, including somehow this first season as well. So, I mean, good Lord, what a, what a set of qualifications that turned out to be. But uh, whatever, that's behind us now. I could agree have, they could should, have been me, baby. It could have been you. I agree they should have the invites, by the way. I'm not saying you should take them away, but wow, what a what a qualification in 2017. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing as like filling the MPL to start. You need to choose a line somewhere. And yep. for these pro tours, they're obviously very concerned at getting around 300 people. And yes, these folks have been grandfathered into the MPL for over a decade, two decades now. And I, I think it's completely fine. And there is also like a decent amount of folks where it's just like, they just locked up MPL or they just locked up rivals or whatever. They deserve something. Yeah. Yep. I agree with you. I gave my friend enough time with this now. So I'm going to uh, finally spill the beans on this. I'm, I'm sorry, John, if you're listening, I told my friend, John Kapoor, who makes a really, really good video series called pretty Dece over on tcg player where he looks back at like why did you say th- why did you say it was really good when the the name is name is pretty Dece. Yeah. i know yeah my, my fault sorry anyway looks back at historical events in magic history and i pitched him this idea a long time ago he hasn't made it so your time's up john somewhere in 2017 somebody probably jeremy Dizani, based on my my guesses played a match of magic for so much equity that it's mind blowing and had no idea they were doing so. Like I'm telling you, someone played a million dollar match of magic at that point in time because of all of these qualifications that have now snowballed from being in that top 32. And it, it almost certainly has to be designing because he was like the last person out. And I just think that's amazing. If you can find this otherwise meaningless match, who was who was it against? What were the the decks? Did you know it was obviously you didn't know it's a million dollar matchup, yeah, but it, now in retrospect, how does it look as a million dollar matchup of magic? And Dizani just molded the three twice or whatever, and he was like, Yeah, yeah whatever, I'm out five hundred bucks, no big totally deal. Totally <laughs> possible. Totally possible. And it is mind blowing to me. John, I would still watch it if you if you make this video, but I, I gave you too long now. Now the idea's out there. Uh, the last one of his I watched was the Bob Marr B Davis one. Yep. Yeah. Did that did like the dragon storm, the dragon storm finals between Nassif and Chapin, just really good stuff. If you love historical magic, like I know John does like I do. Uh, so I can't recommend that enough. Yeah. It's, it is, it is good stuff. Pretty decent. Perhaps we should change the name. <laughs> change it to good stuff. I like it. Anything else? I guess the the digital stuff we talked about a little bit is still kind of up in the air. Yeah, don't know much about that yet. I I honestly am fine if Arena just gets excommunicated from this whole system. My my patience for Arena continues to get smaller and smaller. But I don't want to talk about Arena today because I have things I'm happy about. So let's not talk about that. What are we going to do for the re-rebrand? I don't know. The Tabletop Decklist Podcast. Oh, man. Doesn't quite roll off the tongue. I like our logo though, you know? I do too. I don't I, do too. I don't necessarily want to change it. But like the the process of like commissioning a logo was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I love seeing uh, that come back over time. Look, we made a really good decision at the time. We did a really smart thing. We well, tried to be ahead of things. No, based on the information I will I will take this as far as I possibly can. Based on the information we had, we made a very smart decision. And look, the old name wasn't functional anyway, so that made it really easy to make a smart decision. That that part um, is definitely true. 
Yeah. So with the information we had, we did a good job. And then Arena betrayed us entirely. So well, what can you do? Here's the thing. I wanted it to just be like arena.gg. Right. And then that was taken by, like, I, I remember searching for it and coming up with nothing. And then at some point I searched for it again just to be sure. And then it was like, oh, there, there is like a, you know, soccer esports site or something. And it was like, well, that's depressing. And then it was like, crap, last minute, we kind of need... Uh, a new name and that was the name of the Twitter account. And obviously like we're not showing deck lists on a, a podcast, just like a, a non-visual medium. Right. So the name's not good. We know it's not good. If y'all have any good names for real no, brands. No, I'll I'm not taking, it. I'm not taking good names. Well, we also tried this for literal like a year and a half before we actually trade. No, that's, the name. that's true too. I we asked everyone for name inputs. We spent hours thinking about it searching for possible names. It wasn't like we were just like one day, hey, we should be the Arena Decklist podcast. It was thousands of dollars invested, hours and hours of research invested, and this was the best we could come up with. So maybe that says something about us. Game. Good luck.